Hi, this is Tia Sarkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this epic more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host Eric Pfeiffer joined as always by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey guys. We are very excited about this episode because we're going to be talking about not only Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, Episode 6 and 7. We've got some news to discuss, but we also have some really exciting Twin Suns Outpost news for everybody. And if you've been following us on Facebook, you probably uh, may have seen something about this, but uh, I'm pretty excited about it. And so, Jesse, I guess before we get into that, let's get into the news. It's been kind of a slow week. But we did get one piece of news. Yes. So EA is announcing their new Star Wars game. It is going to be called Star Wars Squadrons. Um, All we've pretty much got so far is some really, really cool artwork for the game, which um, is showing us we've got Rebel pilots and some TIE pilots, some uh, TIE fighters and X-Wings. So there's not too, too much that they've said about this game yet, but by we're recording on Sunday and on, is it, it's tomorrow. So yeah, tomorrow in the morning on Monday is when they're going to be issuing a trailer for it. So there's going to be more information about this particular game, probably more on our next episode, but It's exciting. We're moving on from Battlefront, and it looks like the part of Battlefront that made me sick, and I couldn't continue on to play. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I stopped playing Battlefront, uh, just the the campaign, because at one point, very early on, you get in a TIE fighter, and I wasn't ready, and I was sitting really close to the TV, and the TIE fighters spun out, and I almost, like, threw up, (laughs) like, literally. (laughs) I had to stop playing. And this probably is going to be that. So I'll have to get some, like, Dramamine or something, and then I'll be able to play this game. (laughs) I know, historically, for me, I have not been a huge fan of, like, the vehicle games, like the space battles, like Rogue Squadron. I mean, it's fine, but, like, I'd much rather be on the ground as a trooper or a Jedi or a bounty hunter or something and just shoot people or slice people, you know? Um, the vehicles are fine, and I know that they're a part of Star Wars and, and everything, and there are some really diehard, you know, like, rebel pilot fans out there. People love Wedge, people love, you know, Biggs and, and all that, and that's great, but, like, for me, kind of like you, you know, the first time I was playing Battlefront in one of the ships, I'd crash into asteroids or crash into, like, <laughs> you know, another ship, or, like, I can't even stay alive for, like, five minutes, so, um... Yeah, Yeah, but we'll see. It adds an extra element of difficulty to it. But I remember it feeling like it was very cool, like just playing, you know, 
player versus player or whatever you want to call it, um, where you're all playing together and you're trying to get to the uh, planet surface of Scarif. Like, I, I remember, like, being in, like, the Ewings and stuff, and it felt really cool. Everything, you know, felt like you were, you know, as realistic as it could get with a huge endless scapes all around you looking at, you know, a galaxy while you're trying to fly into and not die. It was when I got in the tie. I can't, I can't get in a tie. <laughs> I'll <Yeah>. throw up. <laughs> you were just not meant for the Empire. I was not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. I know some people were getting on EA quite a bit for their lack of, you know, game content out there, you know, over the years that they've had this license for for video games and stuff um i mean over the last couple years they've been doing a decent job with the battlefront updates i know that's done which is maybe why they're now working on this game but i know jedi fallen order did really well so there'll probably be a sequel to that so i don't know maybe we're turning the corner and we're gonna they're just gonna be pumping out some games here so that would be pretty awesome All right, before we start talking about Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, Episode 6 and 7, I wanted to talk a little bit about some TSO news. And I'm very excited about this, Jesse, because for a very long time, our team has been extremely small. It's been me and you mostly just doing podcasts. And we had Rachel on for a while doing actual analysis, which, by the way is coming back and I'm very excited about it. We already have uh, plans for our next show. We're gonna be recording on June 24th. So it's in like a week and a half. So I'm very I'm excited s- about that. I'm so excited. Like if you're a newer Twin Sons um, listener and you've never heard an episode of Ashley Analysis, I highly recommend just like going back in the feed and finding those episodes because you guys do such a good job. They outline, you know, the dark side and the light side of the force on all these different like parts of Star Wars where you could you could set those two on I'm not doing a good job of explaining your show but like (laughs) you did like creatures light side and dark side creatures and then weapons and artifacts and um, I think you guys did like an episode on like the codes like the Jedi and the Sith and you guys just deep into the lore of what you don't necessarily get out of just watching the movies so I'm really excited for you guys to be coming back with that show well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to record it, too. I learn a lot because this is stuff that we do research for. You know, we, we sit and we get our, our you know, visual dictionaries and we, we go on to online and look at databanks and we do our research for this stuff. So just like you said, with, with all those subjects that we did, we did, I think, 17 episodes. So this will be the 18th one. Uh, we're calling it Season 2. But I know we did one on temples, like light side, like Sith and Jedi temples we did one on. And so Rachel kind of aligns with the light and I align with the dark. And and the show will be a little bit different, but mostly the same as we did before. So I'm very excited for actual analysis to come back. And so that's something that we started a while ago, but we're bringing back. And then uh, over the last year, we actually just celebrated our one year anniversary, I think last month. Um, for the TSO Book Club, which I'm sure if you've been listening to us, you know about that. And we brought Amanda, my fiance, on for that, which is very exciting. And slowly, and slowly but surely, over, you know, quarantine, we kind of all got together and decided that we wanted to, to 
produce more content. So Space Buns was born. And that's very exciting. We've got one episode out with that. It's with Jesse and Amanda talking all about uh, like the women of Star Wars. And whether that be a character or a actress or voice actress or director or contributor of, of something, um, author. So you guys did Padme for the first episode, which is exciting. And the, and the second one should be out here within a couple weeks probably. And so Space Buns was born. We've got How's Your Star Wars Now. We took that from a segment of this show and put it into uh, video form, which is very cool. And now we've grown even bigger. We've decided that we are going to be bringing in people from all over the United States to help us create content. So we've added probably six or seven people to our team, which is the biggest that our team has ever been. And we've got people that uh, have all different types of talents and all different types of skills. So some of these people are going to be doing articles, you know, opinion articles or articles on Star Wars in, in some way, shape or form. Uh, someone's going to be doing a book club review and uh, s- sort of slowly getting added into our book club. And they'll be doing uh, reviews on not only uh, the books that we're doing for book club, but also other books as well. Um, All Star Wars, of course. And then we've got some uh, people that are going to be doing new video shows and uh, potentially another new podcast. So, Jesse, I'm very excited for everybody that's going to be joining our team and has joined our team so far. I know it's really exciting to just have new people added to the mix and to, you know, one of my favorite parts of being in this fandom is getting to know all the people in the fandom, if that makes sense. Like when we go (laughs) to celebration and stuff, like we always like make new friends, whether you're in line or whatever. So I'm excited to get to know everybody and get to have new people that are just as passionate about Star Wars and working with them uh, on a regular basis. I'm excited about that. Yeah, definitely. We're making friends within the community, which yes. is what it's what it's about. So what we're going to be doing over the next couple months is slowly introducing you guys to some of these new members of our team because we want you to get to know them as well as, uh, you know, sort of, I guess, match a voice to an article or a voice to a face or I don't know, voice to a name. <laughs> Um, you can't really see us, obviously, but we want to help you guys get to know some of our new members, and so it'll be easier to interact with them when you see their content pop up on Twin Suns. So what we're going to do is we're going to have each one of our new members kind of join us on our podcast, and we'll have one person per show, and it'll be quick. It'll just be like a 5-10 minute introduction to who they are and what got them into star wars and and uh what they're going to be doing for twin sons so without any further ado let's bring our first member christian so christian thank you so much for joining us you are the first member of our new group of twin sons outpost recruits that we've got to uh, to join us here on our on our platform. So first off, just congratulations and welcome to the team. Thanks, thanks for letting me hop on the squad. You know, yeah, we are very excited to have you. You've already done one video, so you've already got content out there. 
But I wanted you, I wanted the people to listen from your mouth specifically. So what exactly are you going to be doing for us? So basically, I'm going to be doing action figure close-ups. You know, I feel like some people like to see the figure before they actually buy it. And even in box, you can't really see it too well. You don't know what it does and stuff or how the back of it looks. So I like to, you know, just bring the figure up, show people the sculpt work, the detail in the paint app, the articulation, and just let them decide for themselves. I wouldn't really call it a review. At the end of the day, I don't say if it's good or bad too much. I will point out some nitpicks, but let the people decide. And yeah, just bring up the figure close up to the camera. Yeah, and you've already done one video, like I said, and that was Ray. And your next video will be released this week, and so I know you're you're kind of slaving away behind the the lights and your your light box and everything, getting some good videos. So it'll be cool to see what you've got coming up. Um, but what what kind of got you into action figures? Well, you know, I guess just being a kid, I've been playing with Star Wars figures since I was four years old, old enough to hold a figure, so yep. I would say it's not what got me into action figures, I'd say I never grew out of them, like most people do, you know? Yeah. So did you start with the Power of the Force with, like, you know, the Lando with the six-pack? Oh, yeah, <laughs> so I didn't start with the Power of the Force, actually. I got my brother's Power of the Force figures. Okay. And then episode one came out, and then that's when I finally was able to start getting my own. I remember getting Darth Maul in Toys R Us. My uh, father bought him for me. We were just scooping up all the figures we could on release day and stuff, and that's the figure that still is my favorite, just for sentimental reasons. So I'd say, start with Power of the Force, but the ones that really got me in were the episode one. Yeah. Yeah, I... Uh... You're you're actually one of the few people that we brought on to Twin Sons that I actually knew. Um, I've seen your collection, I've seen the figures that you have, and you've joined us with some of the Force Friday midnight releases, so um, you're the real deal, man. I try to be, you know. <laughs> I take my figure collecting very seriously. I'm not able to get all of them, but I at least make sure to get the ones I love. Yeah. So, so far... What is the what is your favorite figure that you have? Oh, you're asking the real hard questions now. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite figure that I own. Now, am I open to any of the Star Wars figure? We're just talking like Hasbro here. Well, that that brings up a good point because on the show you're actually going to be doing more than just Hasbro, right? I am. I have some Mafex. I have some SH figure arts. A little few hot toys here and there. A sideshow statue here. But obviously Hasbro is the biggest one. Yeah. As far as favorite figures go, I'd probably have to go with the Hot Toys Ray for The Force Awakens. If I'm just open up to everything in the collection. It's either that, just because it's beautiful, looks just like her, and just the detail on it is insane. Or back to that Darth Maul I was telling you about that I got back in 1999 solely because it's the first figure I remember getting in my hands. My figure, not my brother's hand-me-down figures. It was my Darth Maul, you know? Yeah. I think it's funny how so many people get their first figures as hand-me-downs because I, I got that too. Like, my uncle had them when he was a kid and he 
you know, kept them at my grandma's house. And then when I was old enough to know what action figures were, I played with them. And I'd go upstairs and go to bed because I had a bedtime. And then when I come down the next morning, my uncle had them all set up in weird scenes. Like, <laughs> the Gamorrean guard would be sitting on a stormtrooper's face or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. He was having strange. his own fun when you were done. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> You know, Jesse, I loved your reaction because you first saw Christian's video and you're like, it was so good, you know? And I feel like so many people don't realize how much goes into these figures, you know? Like me, I I just keep mine in the box just because I'm an inbox collector, but I have some out of the box, usually if it's a double or an older one that I played with or something like that. but there's really so much that goes into them and all of the details that you're talking about with the articulations and the different ways that the wrists move back and forth. It's really cool to see. Yeah, the yeah. sculpt work goes unnoticed so much, I feel like, in these figures. I just like to bring them out and point them out to people, you know? These are uh, little pieces of art. No, it was awesome. I felt like I learned a lot. Like, as someone who has, like, a few action figures but isn't, like, a very big collector and I unbox almost everything but i don't like understand you know every little detail to the extent that you did i mean if anybody watched my last how's your star wars where i unboxed an ahsoka action figure i couldn't even get the girl to stand up so (laughs) (laughs) and that's not fair that's not a knock on the figure that's i think me (laughs) to be fair the ahsoka in my display is leaning as well it's leaning on the back i cannot get her to stand those tiny little feet (laughs) i feel better (laughs) oh my gosh yeah, I'm I'm excited because they're doing a whole new uh, Rebels line. A lot of it's repacks, right? Just with new face it's sculpts. Repacks. Um, I believe the face sculpts look the same, but they're bringing in that photoreal tech. And oh my god, I love that photoreal tech. I have all the Rebels figures, but I'm just gonna have to go back and get them all over again just for these new face prints. It really yeah. just brings it from a seven to an eleven. Yeah. And uh, Zeb is going to be the new one from that set, so that'll be it's really cool. about time. Yeah. All right, before we go, I want to know two more things. Number one, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? Oof, Return of the Jedi, easily. Why is that? Jedi Luke? Jedi Luke, that final duel just has the most emotion of any duel in Star Wars, in my opinion. Yeah. Brings a tear Definitely. to my eye every time. Alright, so you've talked a little bit about what your favorite figure is, but what are you looking to most with all of the upcoming like figures that are going to be coming out? Ooh, I'm looking forward to that Mafex Mandalorian. That's going to oh, be yeah. a really solid figure. Cool. Unfortunately, with Mafex track record, who knows when we'll get it. They love to push them back. <laughs> yeah. It seems like everything's delayed now with, with COVID and all that, so we'll see. Oh, I like to say that, but even with demos beforehand. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all right christian thanks so much for joining us we look forward to seeing more of the action figure videos that you're going to be putting out the show is called action figure close-up on the twin sons uh under the twin sons umbrella so be sure to look out for that it's going to be a weekly show and uh i'm excited to see what comes next thanks thanks for having me on i'll catch you all on the next episode of close-up and Christian, if people want to see what you're doing, if you want people to follow you, where can they do that? Um, I am only on Instagram, at Leaf Ranger. That's two E's instead of E-A. All right, awesome. There you have it. Thanks, Christian.
Thank you. So I'm very excited to add Christian to our arsenal here at Twin Suns Outpost. He's, you know, I've seen that first video that he did. It's fantastic. Hopefully you guys go watch that. It's on YouTube. Um, if you are having trouble finding it, you can always find it on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. You can see all of our stuff on there too. Um, if you're having problems finding it uh, for whatever reason, but um, he does he does great work, and I'm very excited to see more more reviews from him. Let's go into our main topic of discussion, Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian. We're going to be talking about Episode 6, which is on process, and Episode 7, which is on the score. So these ones were kind of short, actually. The first one, I think, was 18 minutes, and the, and the second one was 22 minutes. So these were, were not the longest ones, but what did you think of these two episodes? I really enjoyed these two episodes. I feel like the more we get into this, you start to think to yourself, like, oh, how much more could there be? Like, they've talked about so right. many amazing, cool new technologies and ideas and things. So, I mean, what else could we talk about? And there's, there's still obviously so much more to talk about. I think what stood out to me most was in, you know, this um, process episode where they were talking about previs, pre-visualization and how that was such a big deal where they basically did they basically animated the whole entire show so that you could they could have all the director's jobs you know made that much more clearer to convey to the actors where they need to be and what's going to be happening around them in this fantastical environment like star wars which is already being you know created around them through these gorgeous screens that we've now got to gotten to see how those work and they've combined it with you know i could see why they brought dave filoni onto the show because they they've right. animated the whole show and got every scene the way they wanted it and knew exactly where they were going with it before they got on set and it's just cool to see how excited all the directors were about that you know new process that i, I don't I don't, it doesn't sound like it's ever been used before. It sounds like this is something that Favreau is adding in from his experience of things he needed, he would have wanted to have when he was doing Lion King and Jungle Book. It just sounds like at this point, Favreau is a, the new visionary. He's like the new George Lucas when it comes to technology advancements yeah. in filmmaking. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, they had basically an animated movie of the episode before they actually shot it. And hey. I think not only will that make things easier for the actors, because they can say, here's what you're supposed to do, you know, but even like camera people like, okay, we need to get it from this shot. Like you're looking down at him going up and it should be, you know, this person's on the side and, and whatever. I think it just makes things so much easier for everybody. And when the directors are, are making the, you know, they're they're looking over it, this previs thing, they could say, oh, well, we shouldn't have that in the shot. Or maybe he could spin around the other way instead of this way. And, you know, then they sort of fix all these issues before they even have to get on set, you know? Right. I feel like it just explained how they were able to make, like, movie quality in a TV show. You know, like sometimes when you're yeah. watching a TV show, you can tell. Like it could be a two-hour episode, but you can tell it was made for TV versus the same thing for a movie. There's just a whole different feel about it. But I don't feel that in this show. It all feels cohesively the same. 
And yeah. I, I feel like this is part of that. You know, well, it, it was more what efficient. Was it, uh, what's her name? Deborah Chow. She was saying that like if they were going to film that that shootout at the end of um, what was that? The third episode. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were going to film that for a feature film, she said it was going to take two weeks or something. But because it was for TV, because it wasn't a movie. They had three days to do it, and right. they shot off 7,000 rounds of explosives, and legally they couldn't get any more because they had, like, I think they hit their max on, like, <laughs> right. the contract for explosives purchased or something, you know? <laughs> so it really is. I mean, but watching it, you can't tell, you know? You have... Two weeks is, I mean, I don't know if they work every single day, if it would be two weeks all the way through or if they're, you know, breaks in between. But two weeks is 14 mm-hmm. days, and that's 11 days less than what they actually used for that shot. So right. it's crazy. And just think about how much, you know, if, if you're not paying actors for 14 hours to just stand around while you're trying to figure out, you know, a different way to do the shot because what you're doing is not working. Like, it's already, you already, you know, have it in previs. You, you can see the whole visual and you can tell that it's going to work. And so they're probably just saving money on, you know, how much time the actors themselves are putting into it. Yeah, Definitely. I think the biggest thing for me in this episode was I just, I'm really learning to appreciate Jon Favreau so much more. And it's not that I didn't before, you know, but Star Wars is so special to so many people. And when you look at Jon Favreau, he said, I didn't want to necessarily like study Star Wars. He said he wanted to be influenced by what influenced George when he was making the original Star Wars films. You know, the samurai movies, the westerns. And that's essentially what Jon Favreau brought to The Mandalorian. And so many people love it, you know? I can't... I don't really watch a lot of westerns or samurai films. But to me, this did feel like Star Wars. And you got this lone gunslinger and, and, you know... He's he's sort of got that samurai mentality, and I think he did a fantastic job, and I think John Favreau understands it. Yeah, I feel like he's. It's just cool to see everybody who's working on Star Wars is there because they love Star Wars, and I think that this that mentality that he had is what sets Mandalorian apart from pretty much everything we've gotten since George, if that makes sense. I'm not I'm not trying to say anything bad because you know us. I loved every single bit of it. I know you loved every single bit of everything we've gotten. But this is probably one of the first things that feels so different. And not only because we're away from the Skywalker saga, but it just has its own thing about it that has attracted not only just Star Wars fans, but just like my husband will sit and watch this whole show with me he watched like the episodes over again last night like it's that's <laughs> rare <laughs> if you know anything if you've listened to me talk about my husband he's not like a star wars fan at all um it, it's just my my parents watch it they don't care about star wars they think yeah. it's so entertaining like i think that is has what's captured a whole new audience of people um is it's just its own thing and and it, it comes from it not just being something where it's like, oh, we did this in Star Wars, let's, you know, bring that in. It's just 
them using, like you said, what influenced George to make something new. Yeah, and I feel like that kind of brings you into like the next episode too with the score. Because even like when you talk about like the gunslinging westerns, like like you said, I'm not a big into samurai movies or those either. But when you hear the score and you, when you hear the opening, that's that that opening like tune that we got to see um, Ludwig Göransson Göransson um, play on the recorder. That is so western that's like that wah, 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 wah. like i know i should not be making those sounds but like you if, if i if that makes any sense in your head at all like that we are definitely keeping that in the podcast <laughs> <laughs> but if that made any sense in your brain at all i was trying to make like that opening western sound like that's an iconic sound i feel like that the way they open the mandalorian and that that riff on the recorder is like the star wars twist on that iconic western sound if that makes sense if you can focus on anything besides the (laughs) weird noises that i just made (laughs) well what i love about this episode episode seven talking about the score is that they wanted to make something different and i think that is i think that's how star wars is going to have to continue to grow you know, because I think you need to take inspiration from the things that George was inspired by. I think that's obviously key, but also you need to make things a little bit different, you know, and they even talk about in this movie or in this uh, episode, I think it was either this one or, or the last one, the process one, about how some people are original trilogy people, some people are prequel tri- uh, prequel trilogy people, some people grew up with Clone Wars, and now there's going to be a whole new generation of people that are going to be watching The Mandalorian, and that's going to be their Star Wars, you know? Obviously, you can like it all, but I consider myself a prequel person because that's when I really got into being a Star Wars fan, you know? I liked it. I liked watching the original trilogy before the prequels came out, but, like, nine-year-old Eric that's when it really clicked and that's when it really was like okay i'm in it and so for the mandalorian some people are going to be getting into star wars here and Mm -hmm. you need to have something a little bit different a little bit um obviously still star warsy but something that's going to set it apart and to me these music things even when it's john williams and they have all these you know behind the scenes you know, you see the big symphony people and the big orchestras and, and all that. It gives me goosebumps. I just, I, I, I connect so much with the Star Wars music that, like, mm. I, I just love it so much. Um, and so when you saw Ludwig in his little, you know, music room and he goes from the recorder... And by the way, with that, I thought it was hilarious that he's just like, yeah, I think I'm going to order some recorders and they show up uh-huh. and then he has like this amazing sound and, you know, melody that's he's like, like an, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this is the first one I played and, and that became the theme. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But then he, he played the piano, too. It was like, you know, like that yep. deep piano sound. It just, it's goosebump inducing for me. Yeah, no, it I, it always blows my mind, people that are that, because we th- have to think about the way somebody's mind has to be able to work in order to compose something, um, and to be able to play that many instruments, like from, it takes me back to like high school bands, where like I knew how to play one instrument, it was the alto yep. sax, if you handed me anything else, there was no way that I was going to be able to play it, but there were kids who obviously had that gene in them that they would, they knew 
half the interest instruments in the band. They could pick up any spot. They could do anything we needed them to do because some people's brains are just like wired that way. It just makes sense to them. They can yeah. play things off the top of their heads and memorize their whole music and hear a song and uh, just come up with it, you know, the notes for it on whatever instrument. And it's just mind blowing to watch somebody work like that to be like, oh yeah, I isolated, you know, this sound on the piano and this sound on the guitar. And the fact that they have to put all that together in their head, like he said, he wasn't using a computer, which is what a lot of people do is they can sit and, you know, add things and add instruments and take instruments away when you're building a song on a computer. But he was just sitting there all in his head by himself in his studio, imagining how it was all going to go together before he went and put it together. And didn't he say that he like he like like secluded himself in his room uh-huh. for a month or something? Yeah, he said he just was by himself for a month working on that without computers. It's crazy. I'm trying to find because I know that at one point during this, he basically said that you know because he does do all the scoring for all the episodes. So there's eight episodes, right? And so mm-hmm. if you think about all the music in an episode, there's a ton. I want right. to say maybe like eight to ten tracks per episode. So that's a lot of music. And he said that there, it was basically like scoring three feature films. Yeah. You know, which is nuts if it you think wild. about that. And this dude looks like he could be my age, you know? Yeah, he looks so young. I wonder how old he is. Now I want to Google it. He is 35. He's 35. Yeah, so not much older, which is crazy. But I downloaded all of the music just because I, I love the music so much. And it it really does. He said this too. It tells the story through music because you don't see the emotions on the Mandalorian's face. So that music really does help you kind of understand what's going on. Yeah, it's like you need you need that music to give you Mando's emotions, basically. Yeah. I'm trying to see... I'm trying to find on my computer. So I have a really crappy computer right now. Um, <laughs> but I did get all of the Mandalorian music. I don't remember if I transferred it somewhere or if it's on here. I don't know where it is. I already put it... I have an iPod still. So, (laughs) oh, here we go. So, yeah, so for chapter one, episode one, there's nine. Episode two, there's like eight, there's seven. So, yeah, there's like between seven and there's one with 11. Oh, my gosh. That's a ton of tracks. Let's just say there's like, there's probably 80, oh, here we go. 70 songs. 70. What? Yep. Now, some of them are like a minute, you know, but still. Right. That's wild. I loved the music for this show, though. It's just so unique and still Star Wars. Like, watching him stand at that wild contraption of buttons and lights and plugs. I have no idea what that was. Somebody who does music his probably thinks we're crazy but i had no idea what that was but that was wild that he's just sitting there making all these like sounds and noises that he's like oh yeah that sounds like i could put that in as part of this track like yeah and then he brought it on his phone he he brought like the first theme on his phone to the set and like 
let the directors listen to it off his phone. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Seeing their reaction was really cool because it was like right away they're like, "This is it, <laughs> you did it, done, good job." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was cool to see too that he's worked with um, Donald Glover before. Um, oh yeah, on some other uh, smaller feature films and stuff. Yeah. The music in Star Wars, whether it be John Williams or Michael Giacchino or Ludwig here or even, you know, John Powell with uh, with Solo, I think to me, I associate the music with how I felt during that part of the movie or mm-hmm. that part of the show, you know, even Kevin Kiner with with the animated stuff like Rebels and, and Clone Wars. I mean, some of that stuff is great. Now, I work in a, a collectible store, and we have Clone Wars music and Star Wars music playing. We also have, like, you know, Marvel and, and DC and stuff. But, you know, that that Imperial March or that main Star Wars theme comes on, like, I bet you I sell more stuff when that music's on. Because you know? <laughs> <laughs> people in the mood for Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> so the music definitely plays a huge role. And I saw, did you see at one point when Dave was listening to, uh, Dave Filoni was listening to, I don't know if he was listening, but he was at the, like the first day when they were, when they were recording, uh, with the orchestra, he had drew Amando on like the music sheet. It was like a really brief thing that he was just like sitting there and you saw it. And I was like, man, I would pay so much to get Dave Filoni's drawing of the Mandalorian. Like I would pay so much for that. That was so cool looking. I know. Um, I feel like in every, anytime we see Dave, you know, behind the scenes in anything, he's always doodling on something. Um, Some beautiful work of Star Wars art that, yeah, any, any Star Wars fan would want, you know, in some corner of their house. (laughs) Yeah, I just got the Art of Rebels book, which is amazing, and I haven't flipped through it too much yet. I just opened the little top because the lightsabers light up, (laughs) but um, I'm excited to kind of look through that book and see some more of Dave's concepts and some of his drawings and stuff, because I'm sure there's some great stuff in there. Um, And one other thing that I saw, and Dave sort of reaffirmed this, and I've been a huge supporter of this idea since the beginning but i remember seeing i think it was either at a panel or or maybe it was in one of the behind the scenes you know interviews or something with george lucas he basically said that star wars is for kids i'm 99 yeah. sure that at one point it was at a celebration that i was at and i heard him say that i'm 99 mm-hmm. sure and you know that's something that has stuck with me for a while because when i got into it i was a kid and i'm sure a lot of people that are into it now got into it when they were kids, you know? And so here we are like in our thirties, um, you know, so many people are, are even older than us and that were kids during the original trilogy and, and they're still into it. And so it's obviously not only meant for kids, but that's what George Lucas had in mind. He wanted it directed towards that demographic, you know? Right. And so hearing Dave kind of reaffirm that, and from Dave's mouth, who obviously has worked with George on multiple occasions, this is for kids, you know? So I think a lot of the drama that comes in fandom and a lot of the the negativity, I think we just need to brush that aside and just ultimately realize that this is something that George Lucas wanted to make kids happy and entertain kids, you know? 
Right, so next time Jar Jar comes on the screen, just pull your child little heart to the front (laughs) of your chest and laugh because it's there to entertain you. It's there so that the whole family can enjoy. So I agree with that. Yep. Okay, any final thoughts on these two episodes of Disney Gallery The Mandalorian? I mean, how, how many more episodes do we have left? Where are we at? We have one left. There was only one episode left. I, I'm i really enjoying this. I feel like it, we're, you're not just watching, you know, behind the scenes for The Mandalorian. It really feels like I'm watching, like, a Disney Imagineering, like, new technology, like, show, where it just is showing you, you know, how our how the entire process of filmmaking is evolving. Um, so I almost think anyone who's into that sort of thing is into film or getting into film should be watching something like this because it's just, it, it's, it's really mind blowing. It's, it's been fascinating to watch. So I, like I said, I don't know what else could be next because every episode I feel like we've seen and talked about it all, but I'm, I'm excited about this. I wonder if they'll do it for more Star Wars or if they're going to bounce to like different parts of Disney since it's just generally called Disney Galleries. Um, right. But regardless if it continues on as Star Wars or not, I still feel like this is a show that I'm going to be tuning into because it's really cool. Yeah. Dave Filoni, John Favreau, Lucasfilm are revolutionizing how TV shows will be made from now on. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think with the technology and the things that we've seen, I mean, watching it, it's obviously a great show, but watching... The, the behind the scenes, the background, how things were made, you know, really is incredible. And you watch behind the scenes stuff of the prequels. There's a lot of green screens and blue screens and, you know, mirrors and strange looking equipment. And this is just you basically feel like you're on that planet. Right. You know, with the big TV screens and the VR and the video game stuff and, and all that. It's insane. So if you haven't watched these, definitely go watch them. They're really good. Um, I think this score one was one of my favorites. I just love the Star Wars music. So we have one more coming out on Friday, this upcoming Friday, which I'm very excited to watch. And we'll be obviously talking about that when, when, we, when we record our next episode. And so, yeah, can't wait for that. Okay, that'll pretty much do it for episode 172. Obviously, we are now in June. We're halfway through June, so that means uh, at the end of this month, we're going to be doing our book club review on Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnson, which is very exciting. We obviously are going to be having a ton more content in the month of July, so make sure to be on the lookout for that. Jesse, before we go, where can people find us on social media? You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all under the handle at Twin Sons Outpost. And if you want to watch any of our new video shows, we highly recommend that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, also at Twin Sons Outpost. All right. And if you're looking for places to listen to our show, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our videos there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this episode and you think we're pretty wizard, go ahead and give us a good review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Twin Suns Transmission. We'll be back again soon, and as always, may the Force be with you. 
Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Rendezvous point on Halloween. This time you will murder to meet the king.